I want to share a little bit about the background of what has happened today for me in uh, just a moment, but I want to tell you a, a lighthearted story. Uh, and I needed to laugh. Uh, I was busy early with some errands running around, led me down to Georgetown, and uh, had done a few things before uh, I was heading back this direction and decided to stop at the Starbucks there at uh, Wolf Ranch. And so I, uh, line was just incredible, the drive-through, and, and so I decided to get out. Wasn't much better inside, you know, it was a huge line. But I got up to the front, the counter, and a young lady uh, there was, uh, first thing is like, uh, what's your name? And I, I said, can I get your name? And, and I said, yes, it's Alan. And she said, oh, is that A-L-A-N, A-L-L-E-N, A-L-L-Y-N? I was like, it's, it's uh, that. I said, good, you noticed. I said, it's A-L-A-N. And she goes, that's the way my dad spells it, too. I said, that's great. I said, yeah, we're just the victims of name misspelling, you know, our whole life. People spell it all different kinds of directions except the way that, that we do. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And she said, uh, that, that was happening to my grandmother, too. She said, uh, her name is Aileen, and her parents spelled it alien. <laughs> I, I couldn't talk anymore. <laughs> I laughed to tears, all the way out to the car, every time I thought about this poor lady, you know. <laughs> uh, the, the roll call at school, you know, alien? <laughs> I just, I couldn't get over it. But we need, we need that once in a while, don't we? Uh, Nick had invited me, a close friend of his, and uh, a friend of mine, I know, uh, have known Joey for a good while, and his family to, uh, do a memorial service for uh, Joey's mom who passed away. Her name is Judy. And so we made the drive yesterday, uh, three and a half hours or so, uh, down towards Tyler. We didn't, we didn't get exactly into Tyler, Texas, and then uh, back last night. And uh, so I was restless all night. I, the message for today coming out of our series on the walk was about the mystery, and I was restless all night. Uh, that what God had stirred in my heart for this service was something that I was to share today. So I don't know exactly how to say it to you, except I guess if this was your funeral, <laughs> this would be the service. Uh, this, would, if this is my funeral. This is what I would like to say. Uh, this, this would be the, the, the closing words, the things that I think, uh, and there are key passages in this that are out of Ephesians, so it does fit with our series out of the book of Ephesians. But I wanted to give you a little backdrop for the change. In fact, it's so abrupt was the change that even on the drive-in, I wasn't sure. I had both messages uh, on uh, here uh, on my iPad, and and uh, of course the PowerPoint had been sent way way ahead for the first message, the one on the mystery, and so it was already loaded and ready to go. And I had no PowerPoint for this, so thank you, David Chef, who. <laughs> Uh, at the beginning of service, took over for me. I was typing away as fast as I can, you know, those 13 words a minute, which is flying. <laughs> and uh, you know, David took over and, and uh, typed it up for me. There's nothing super fancy, but at least you will be able to see the scriptures and the main points of what we're talking about today. The passage, and I still would like you to stand for the reading of God's word out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, an interesting passage of scripture that they actually read 
uh, when I was uh, going through a credentialing service, uh, second level of credentials in ministry with the organization I belong to, uh, is licensed to preach is what it's titled. And uh, so uh, there was a, a great speaker that night, uh, probably a thousand people or better in the room. And this was his uh, text. And it's always had deep meaning to me uh, because of that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's a great passage for preachers, isn't it? <laughs> this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking that you would open our hearts and our lives to what you want to say to us today. These important points that you have laid on my heart to share and that we would, Lord, be renewed, enlightened, and changed and transformed by your word. Most of all, that we would make this our altar, a place of surrendering. Uh, many of us have been running and doing our own things and not ready yet. And this would be a place of surrender today to make you Lord and leader over our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. This passage talks about uh, jars of clay, jars of clay, uh, very fragile and delicate. Uh, several years ago, Michelle and I had uh, gone from uh, the American side of the border to Mexico, and uh, we had uh, gone down for this trip to gather some items to decorate our home. Uh, our motif is along that line. Uh, and. Uh, it's, uh, we've always loved uh, the Mexican art, and, and so we have that in our, in our home. And so we had crossed the border, and we were purchasing things. Uh, the thing we didn't think about uh, that, you know, is always the hindsight was what we would carry this in on the way back, because <laughs> it was a good, good journey, you know, across the border and then back to where your car is. And uh, so we loaded up with all kinds of goodies. So both of our arms were just loaded. You know, it wasn't just things that we had purchased uh, for the home, really very few things, but some things we had purchased for the kids, you know, and, and uh, just souvenirs and things that we found. And so we're on our way back and, and, and they, you know, holding these, these bags and my arms are just loaded. Michelle's arms are loaded. I'm trying to get the key. And one of the bags slips out of my hands and it, 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 we had bought this beautiful clay jar uh, that was hand painted and and just just so beautiful, and of course that would be the bag that slipped through my fingers and and fell and hit the ground and you heard the the noise of the clay jar and and you knew what you were gonna find but you opened the bag anyway and there's a bag of dust you know <laughs> uh, literally and uh, you know just a little uh, just so sad about it and so we didn't have time to go back we were on a schedule and so we loaded up everything that we had we we drove back and. Uh, so, um, I had uh, gone to do other things over the next few days, uh, my work and, and, and things that I was involved in, and came home one evening, and there was that, you know, beautiful uh, clay jar just sitting there, and I thought, did you buy another one? Like, and Michelle had amazingly put this thing back together, and... Um, of course, on the back side, there were pieces that had been dust and could not be replaced. So she had hidden the, the little holes in the, in the back, you know. But from, the, from just looking at it face value, it was, it was lovely. It was, it was so beautiful and it had been put back together. 
And um, it, it reminded me of how, what God does for us, how God uh, puts us back together and no one can ever know. You know, I mean, I'm looking close to see if I can see the cracks and, and such a great job she had done in putting this piece back together. I could not even see where it was originally cracked. And, and I thought, that's the way it is with us, with God. So marvelously does he restore us and put us back together after we've been broken that no one can know. Uh, we, we don't give enough thought, and uh, that's, that's why I bring messages like this to funerals, to our own mortality, our fragility, the fact that we are uh, jars of clay. And that, I believe, is the primary reason that God chose to do funerals the way God has us do funerals, right? I mean, any of us, if we're in charge, we're God, and we say, you know, man, it's too sad. Let's don't do it that way. Let's don't leave a body behind and take the spirit. Let's... Let's take the whole thing, maybe. You know, that might be one solution. Like, so, you know, yeah, we'll miss them. We've got a few pictures and stuff. Or, you know, we would, we would come up with some kind of a plan that would not be for us as grievous as, as what happens when we gather together. But I believe the primary reason that God does it the way, did it the way he did it was he wants us to look into the face of our own mortality, to recognize our fragileness and that we are uh, here for a brief period of time. To remember in those moments that we live on a broken planet with broken people. We have broken marriages, broken relationships, broken schools, broken governments, broken cities. And the Bible tells us that it is sin that, it caused, that has caused all this brokenness. And we don't give enough time to thinking through uh, what, where we are in life. We're so busied with the way things are going and what is going on in us and where we're going to go when this life is all over. You see, sin has separated us, the Bible tells us, from our purpose in life. Sin has separated us from our meaning in life. And sin has certainly separated us from the author of life. One day, life on earth is going to end, but that is not going to be the end of any of you. It'll just be the end of our life on earth. Jesus told his disciples in John 14 and 1, Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If, I, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you and when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I believe there are four things that God wants us to know about our life on earth. And it's so important that we learn these four things about our life on earth. The first one is that this life on earth is not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than personal fulfillment your peace of mind, or even your own happiness. Generations of brilliant minds have contemplated and failed to answer the question, what is the purpose or the meaning of life? Why have they failed, all these bright minds and uh, brilliant people, to answer for us that question, what is the meaning of life? Well, I believe it is because it is in our nature to make that question as a starting point, make that a starting point us in trying to answer that question. 
We look at us, our happiness, our fulfillment, our careers, our jobs, our lives, in order to make an answer for why are we here? What is the meaning of life here? But really, that is our failure in, in doing that because it's, it's not about you or me, this life. One of the oldest books in the Bible, Job chapter 12, verse 10, reads, In his hands is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. God is not just the starting point of life. He is the very source of life. We are God-breathed. So the first thing I believe God wants us to know about our life is that life is not just about us, that there is so much more to it, and we find it through relationship with Him. The second thing that God wants us to know about our life on earth is that your shape determines your purpose. Only you can do what God created you to do. You are uniquely shaped by God. We always marvel at, as, uh, especially for those of you who are parents and have children, at the, the difference in your children, the personality difference, the gift set difference, how they're better at some things than other things. And God has shaped those things in us. And we are all unique and gifted to do things that God has called us to do and formed us to do. There are spiritual gifts that he's given us. Our heart uh, is, is shaped and fashioned in a way that is unique. Our abilities, our personality, and our experiences have shaped us and fashioned us. Your shape is determining your purpose. God spoke to Moses in uh, one of the early call narratives when God was calling on Moses to lead the children of Israel. And he asked him a question that we are often kind of contemplating ourselves at various times in our life. That question is, what is in your hand? Every small business person has started with that, right? That question, what is in my hand or my bank account? <laughs> what is the ideas that are coming out of my head, you know? Uh, we all start there, don't we, when we start trying to discover uh, who we are and, and how we have been shaped and fashioned. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for God, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God planned who you are and your shape is unique to him, and he loves you just the way he made you. The third thing that God wants you to know is you are not an accident. You're not an accident. God planned for you all along. God planned uh, where you would be born. God planned every detail of your life out on earth. We know this through Scripture. The, there, are, there are accidental and illegitimate parents, but there are never accidental or illegitimate children. Your parents may not have planned for you, but God planned for you. Zach was our surprise. God's plan. <laughs> Michelle and I had, uh, you know, in our great wisdom, we said, you know, uh, we had a large, uh, our ministry at the time, we had a large children's ministry, a large youth ministry. We were involved in that. And uh, so we had Micah, we had Amanda. You know, we were trying to, like, get a boy and a girl, salt and pepper. We got two, you know, got a complete set. 
didn't work out. We're like, oh, that's fine, because, you know, we got all these kids that we're ministering to, children's ministry. We got, you know, uh, we've got all the youth, and so we were practicing all the things you do to prevent having children going forward. We thought we were done, you know, that's all. And I can remember coming in uh, the evening, she, she said, I need you to sit down. She told me, I just felt the blood drain out, you know, because we're living in a very tiny home and all the rooms were full, you know, like there was a, there was a kid in that room and a kid in that room and, a, and parents in this room. That's all the bedrooms. We had no more. And uh, all the blood just drains out, you know, and dad feels lightheaded. And I was like, I'm glad you had me sit down, you know, because I've probably been laying down on the floor. So you're kidding. How, how did this happen? <laughs> God plans, and we're so grateful because uh, he knew better than we did, and Zach is such a blessing to our home and, and such a great addition, but there are no accidental children, right? God never does anything by accident. He never makes mistakes. He has a reason for everything that he creates, every plant, every animal, uh, planned by God, and, and every person was designed with a purpose in mind. God motive for creating you is is love the scripture tells us isaiah chapter 44 verse 2 says i am your creator you were in my care before you were born before you had a body that god shaped in your mother's womb you were in god's care already had your plan he already had you designed he's ready to go right Long before, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 4 says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love. God had a plan for you and me all along. We were never an accident. And he designed us in his loving care. He planned for us. The fourth thing that God would want you to know about life here on earth is that he wants you in his family. He wants you in his family. So many people have worried about their legacy here on earth and, and uh, what others are going to say about them when they're gone. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. What ultimately matters most is not what others say about us, not the legacy that we think we want to leave behind in life, but what God says about us. We, thousands of years ago, there are, were men and women who built legacies that are buried in the rubble of dust. We know nothing about them. We don't know their names. We don't know what they did. We don't know what they accomplished. And so if God tarries, too, will be our story. But what's really the legacy we want to leave is the one that we had a personal relationship with the living God and that generations after that can find hope, help, healing for their brokenness by looking at the legacy we left behind 
Christ Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Given enough time, all these accomplishments on earth are going to fade, they're going to be forgotten. And all of those jars of clay will return to dust. They will be broken. They will be buried. They will be forgotten. So who wants a, a broken jar of clay today? One that is fractured in this life and wounded and hurt. Someone who's coming from a broken relationship, a broken marriage. Deep wounds in your heart. The Bible tells us God wants you. God wants you. There is only one way to get God's family, uh, to get inside God's family and be a part of his family, and that is to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of our life. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Previous messages on the walk, we've talked about this, that people are searching in all kinds of directions. And last week we touched on uh, what, it, what our culture thinks about religion. We Remember we visited the song uh, Imagine by John Lennon and and we said, you know, there are really kind of two ways that, that people are viewing um, religion, so to speak. And uh, the one would be, you know, John Lennon's version, which is, you know, we get rid of religion and we can have peace, you know. Imagine there's no religion. You know, there's no, no one fighting over who's God or who's in charge or whatever. And then there's the other side of it that we talked about where uh, there is the, the brought to you by the bumper stickers. You know, you've seen them before. You're parked at the red light and the guy in front of you has the coexist bumper sticker made up of all the different symbols of various kinds of religions. And in that belief, that is not, don't end religion, just blend it all together. We can be the unity church. We're all looking for the same God. And, and Jesus says here, I am the way. He didn't say, also check out Buddha. Um, you know, also look at Islam. You, you might want to read. Jesus boldly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets to the Father except through me. No one. They don't get there by good works. They don't get there by blending. They don't get there by ending religion. They get there through me. And Jesus is that treasure that we talked about in this open passage that, of, that God wants to put inside broken jars of clay. That God wants to make all the difference in by coming inside and living through us. He specializes in healing broken hearts. He can put together broken clay jars like nobody's business, you'll never know, and there will be no dust, there'll be no holes, you'll be renewed and transformed. Jesus is the treasure that abides in broken jars as he's invited to come in. He specializes in healing brokenness, and his invitation to us today is, I want you in the family, and I'm standing at the door, Revelation 3, 19, I'm knocking, just open up. I'll come in. And we'll begin fresh and new. I'll heal brokenness in your heart. I'll bring transformation and healing. God wants you to know, the last one, he wants you in his family. He 
He loves you. I'm inviting our worship team to come. There have been times that all of us have felt like nobody wants us. We've all run into those situations one time or another. My dad was a pastor. He used to tell the story. Uh, he grew up in West Texas. And uh, he would tell the story of, of how he was in a, as a child, just at one of those places where he thought nobody cares about me. He had just gotten disciplined over something. And so he just cries out from the bottom of his heart, nobody in Odetta love me. <laughs> and his brother came over and puts his arm around him. He said, I live in Odetta and I love you. It is the way that God is with us, that we cry out of our innermost being, I'm broken and nobody cares about me. I've done everything wrong and God says, but I want to change it. Yeah. What I want to do as our worship team comes today is invite you to an encounter with God, a transformational moment. And as we stand together as a congregation, if God is dealing with your heart personally and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make today an altar with the Lord, uh, your story could be, I've known him in the past, I was you know, close at one time, I want to get back there. Your story may be, I've really never surrendered to God. I, I like coming to church, I like the things that I hear, but I've never really made a surrender of my life to God. And, and I'm noticing even now that you know, things haven't changed, that you know, I'll go away feeling good after a service, but you know, I go back to brokenness, and I'm involved in a lot of brokenness, and I, I want healing. So as they begin to sing, I want to invite you, if that's you, to come. We want to pray for you. Michelle and I will meet you here, and we'll pray with you. To